1: Hello, everybody. My name is Stevie Kim. This is the Italian Wine Club. Where is everybody? Um, let Let's let everybody know that our room is now open, and of course, we get to replay on Italian Wine Podcast. And congratulations, Cynthia. Your show, your your actually episode is one of the um, most heard. Not with you, Alberto. It was with Ilaria Takis, but also your episode was. Um, you know, way up there on the list as well. So, thank you all for joining us. This is, I believe, Leica. Is it our thirty ninth? Yeah, exactly. It's our thirty ninth. Next week is our yeah. Point. Holy crap, 39th episode. You know, I have some, I'm just coming in from a funeral, very sad, uh, Franco Allegrini, who is, of course, the um, the brother of Marilisa. He is often behind the scene, but he he, he was the analogist for the Allegrini group, and he has passed last week, so he, uh, I just went to the funeral, and, of course, there are many people from the wine world, very sad. Sad about that and the best best um, wishes to the family. The wife, her name is Marilena, and of course the, the sons who will carry the torch for the, the family. He said, oh, Alberto, just to say hello, goodbye. He said, I'm leaving. Okay, ciao, ciao. So here today we have Erin Demara.
2: Ciao, Erin. Ciao, Stevie. Where are you? I am currently in Florida. Uh, in my home, actually, I'm sequestered in the uh, <laughs> in in the one room of my house that's that's still mine, the garage. Ah, uh, okay.
1: But what's the COVID situation there?
2: Well, uh, for a lot of Americans that followed it, uh, Florida never had COVID. We never really closed. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, at least according to our yeah. esteemed governor.
1: Completely a different uh, different story. Never had COVID, and we never closed.
2: No, I think the mentality here was. Everyone that could get infected uh, did and so uh, you know business didn't quite shut down and we got through it but uh, things are actually we'll say back to a new normal and now we're the most unaffordable place to live in America according to Forbes magazine.
1: I know holy shit like everybody's moving to to Florida and I mean other places too like Long Island as well from this from from New York everyone's moving out to uh, Long Island
2: right so I, to, to look at the silver lining of it, uh, it's uh, it's great for the wine business. It, for so, Florida, you mean? Oh, sure. Yeah. At least for our, the import business. We have a lot of New Yorkers and uh, other people that, that move here that uh, they look to drink what they were drinking in all parts of the world.
1: Whereabouts in Florida are you? I'm in the Palm Beach area,
2: so about one hour Oh, that's hour posh, north. Aaron. I didn't know you lived in a posh place. Ah, would be nice. I can almost see Palm Beach from (laughs) from where we live.
1: (laughs) Okay, Uh, so for folks out there, let me tell you who Aaron DeMar is. He's, of course, one of our friends, part of our VIA family member, but he's been in the business for a very long time. How many years? uh,
2: Going on 30 between restaurant and uh, and importing.
1: Holy crap,
2: I didn't know you were that old. I know, old. (laughs) 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 <laughs> <laughs> well, you look pretty good, Aaron. Really? The wine keeps us young, doesn't it, Stevie? Yeah.
1: Listen, did you stay on for Vinitoli uh, this year? Uh,
2: just very briefly. I had some other wineries uh, that I needed to visit, so I had to maximize my time. So, you know, this is the first time in, in quite a few years that I have not attended uh, opera wine, uh, which was a difficult decision. Boo-hoo. Alessandro, it was it, Yeah. Uh, it's it's the best showcase of... of not only Italian wines, it may be the single collection of, of any country's wines uh, put together. So I hope that, that uh, most of the, the listeners on our, our chat room here today, uh, in our clubhouse, uh, got to experience it.
1: Yeah, uh, I mean, it was very different, of course. We didn't have Asia, especially the Chinese. We did have some Asians, of course, um, based in Europe and living this part of the world. Uh, there were some Japanese, Koreans, but, of course, we didn't have China. And then of course because of the war we didn't have people from uh, russia uh, and from that side of the world which is very important also for italian wine but i think i think a lot of the producers understood that you know these are challenging times and i think everyone was i i i, I don't know about you but i i think everyone was you know grateful that we were able to actually pull it off i didn't do my COVID testing until Everything was over because I, w- I was afraid I might have COVID. <laughs> <laughs> then I would have had to, you know, uh, stay at home. So uh, luckily I was negative and I can't believe it. Um, I do have one husband, nobody knows, but he's a medical doctor, um, not a doctor like everybody else in Italy. And he said, it's only culo. Cool. Mm. You know what that means in, in, um, in Italian. It's only <laughs> luck if you don't get it with the thousands of people that you have met. But um yeah, I didn't I didn't get it. We had a couple of, you know, we our office we had about 30 40 people and nobody had covid. We were unscathed for 2 years and then all of a sudden with this new wave, a bunch of us got it as well. So that's that's that. So Aaron of course is a um he's been working around he said about 30 years, nearly 30 years in the wine and spirits and restaurant uh, business, stateside. He It's his seventh year with 1821 Fine Wine and Spirits, which is an Italian-focused importer. He manages more than 100 wines and spirits in Florida, and he is a certified wine educator of Society of Wine Educators, incredibly qualified, but most importantly, he is the Italian wine ambassador and educator for Venetia International
2: Academy.
1: So, Erin, why did you choose Alessandro Gallo as your producer to interview today?
2: Uh, he's the only one that agreed to talk to me. <laughs> no, that's not true. <laughs> Wait, well, yeah, that made it kind of simple. No, I, well, Alessandro is—he's uh, a great winemaker, and he, he, he's become a friend. Uh, I first met him in two thousand five. Uh, one, of my, one of my very first years traveling to, uh, to Italy, and uh, he is uh, just—he's—he's he's really a, a compendium of knowledge when it comes to growing and, and making wine from Sangiovese, uh, even though he's born and raised in uh, in, in Piemonte. And uh, I also think he has a really open and generous and honest way of speaking about uh, you know his estates and uh, and 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 how he makes wine. You know, from the you know, from the vineyard up. And uh, we always have a lot of fun when we're together, uh, uh, dining, drinking wine. I thought he'd be a great interview uh, for, okay. for our, our clubhouse where
1: Where does Alessandro make his wine? Tell us for the audience.
2: So Alessandro is uh, the, the director of the uh, Castello di Alba estate. Uh, mm-hmm. He actually lives uh, on the estate in the castle with his uh, with his family.
1: Oh, that's yeah. nice. That's a nice place to live, Alessandro.
2: You know it, that that castle is uh, is truly a castle on a hill. Um, I remember my first visit there was in 2003, and you drive up from Rada and you go up this impossibly steep hill with the vineyards laid out before you, and it's just it's a magical place to visit for all of us on the uh, clubhouse today. That if you haven't been to Castello di in Rada, it must be equally a great place to live. Uh, and Alessandro is uh, an extremely talented winemaker. Uh, he and I share the same birth year, 1971. Uh, like I said, he's from, uh, from Piemonte, he was born in Acquiterme. And uh, uh, Alessandro actually has a degree in chemistry from the Umberto Uno uh, Enological S- uh, School in Alba. Uh, and graduated from uh, the, the university in, in Turin in 97. And then he worked in Piemonte first for the uh, Dezzani family and became their technical director. And in 2004, uh, the Zonin family uh, uh, hired him to run the estate here at Castello Diabla. Uh, I think it was in 2014 that he also took over as uh, head winemaker for uh, the family's Marema estate, uh, Rocco de Montemassi, and uh, in that time, if, I, if my numbers are correct, he's won, uh, I've been awarded 12 Trebicchieri from the Gimbena Rosso for his work at Castello Diabla, and three more uh, Trebicchieri for his uh, winemaking at Rocco de Montemassi. So uh, certainly one of the most awarded winemakers in the last uh, decade and a half in Tuscany.
1: Fantastic. So he's a talented winemaker. So I understand now why you've chosen him. So what are our learning objectives for today that we should expect from your call today?
2: Well, I'm hoping that Alessandro can can help illuminate some similarities and differences in, in growing uh, Sangiovese especially, between uh, the hills of Chianti Classico and the, uh, the warm plains of Marema. Uh, talk about his you know, philosophy of, uh, of analogy and, and vinification. And uh, also, you know, shed some light on how he treats the other varietals that they grow on, on the properties there. Uh, Cabernet Sauvignon, uh, Vermentino, uh, Chardonnay, Syrah, these grapes that are becoming uh, more and more important in the, in the new world of uh, Tuscan wines.
1: Where, so where is he growing the um, the Vermentino?
2: Vermentino, the whites, they, the and, whites and the are. Uh, uh, so there's there the Vermentino is at is uh, on the property at Marema. Uh You know we know that, that Vermentino has become mm-hmm. very important to uh, the you know to, that Tuscan coast. There is one old small plot of Cabernet Sauvignon uh, on the estate Excel Diablo, as well as a single vineyard of Chardonnay that grows at the highest point uh, of the vineyard. So very. Uh, very high uh, elevation, uh, elegant style uh, Chardonnay, and then the other uh, what we call them say traditional varietals that they grow in uh, in Morema at Roca Montemassi, including uh, Merlot, uh, Syrah, Petit Verdot.
1: Okay, very good. All right, listen over to you, Erin, and I will disappear and shut up and then come back yeah, should there be any questions for the audience if you, there's a cute little thing now, the chat box. If you have any questions um, at any point, you can um, shoot them on the chat box right there. And then if you want to instead hang around, you can ask the questions yourself if we have any um, time left over towards the end.
2: Okay, take it away, Aaron. Thank you, Stevie, and uh, thank you everyone for joining, uh, joining me and joining Alessandro here. Uh, on our clubhouse. It's uh, it's my pleasure to introduce Alessandro Gallo, the uh, technical director and winemaker for Castello Diablo in Rada and Chianti and the Rocco de Montemassi estate in Marema. Uh, Alessandro is uh, is a friend and uh, I look forward to the next time that he and I can, uh, can have a glass of wine together. And full disclosure for everyone here, uh, we chatted a bit earlier today and decided to he was going to go to his big wine cellar, the Harry Castell Diabla, and me to my very little one here at my house, and so we're both opening and tasting alongside our chat today, a bottle of his 2014, Canty uh, uh-huh. Classico Reserva, uh, which was a challenging vintage, uh, as as I understand it, but uh, we'll talk about that in a bit. Alessandro, uh, good evening.
3: Erin, uh, Erin, buonasera. Thank you very much. So gently in, in uh, your presentation, so too much, too much. Grazie mille, Aaron. No,
2: it's your turn to talk now.
3: <laughs> <laughs> and grazie. Thank you very much. Also, Stevie, to invitation, and you, of course, uh, as fantastic opportunity for me. For the estate, Castello d'Albola and Rocca di Montemassi, that's so gentle for the presentation. Thank you, everybody. I'm sorry for my English; it's not fantastic, but uh, we try to, to 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 speak slowly, okay?
2: And that I'll do for you. Uh, yeah, you know, thank you very
3: much. Aaron.
2: And obviously, I'm biased. I've known uh, you and uh, and these estate wines and, and these wineries for a long time, but. Yes. Asandu, can you tell the rest of our of our listeners here, what do you think makes Castello di Albola and that estate so unique in Chianti Classico? Uh,
3: one of the most important things today hearing is the altitude, I think. Uh, Castello di Albola is in Radda in Chianti, is in the middle of uh, in the heart of Chianti area, uh, between Florence and Siena. It's a very topic today, this little, little village as is very high. The elevation today, the soil of of Chianti area and the elevation of Radha, I think is one of the most important uh, uh, characteristic that influence the wine, the Sangiovese grapes in the maturity in the winemaking. Altitude today help us uh, to do fresh wine, acid wine, vertical wine, mineral wine, wine that are very, very drinkable. Today altitude help us in a big problem of uh, today, there is warming. Uh, altitude means a very, very good delta or gap of temperature of day and night. So. I want to say, if you ask me, one of the first important things, uh, I say, of course, uh, the environment, but honestly, the altitude today is very, very important for us.
2: And at what altitudes uh, are the vineyards?
3: Uh, the, there? Is the Rada in Chianti is a 500 meters of the sea level. The Castello d'Albola estate is... Uh, is in between it's between a 350-400 meter to 700 meter on the sea level, so very high. Le Fate, you mentioned Chardonnay before. Is the highest is the highest vine of the state, Is a 700 meter on the sea level, so very very high. And today, this means finesse hearing. this means elegance in uh, in the bouquet. This means. Uh, strictness in the tasting of wine. I think today many, many people want to taste that, that kind of wine. There's a very good combination of tannin and acidity. I, th- I always say that tannin plus acidity uh, means drinkability. Uh, that is a, a, a very a good character of uh, Radda in Chianti wine drinkability
2: and did you find uh, when you started there in 2004 that you had to make any significant changes to uh, how the wines were made or how the vineyards were managed
3: of course harry of course harry. i i speak uh, frequently about that uh, is uh, for me is uh, less than 20 years uh, 18 years and i can i can uh, l- watch i can observe are changing in the quality of grapes and also in the vinification of course not only not only for uh, warming changing not only for that castello d'albola in these 20 years change all of vine we we pass we move uh, from a vineyard that was uh, more uh, uh, quantity-oriented, uh, more uh, not so uh, high high plantation, for example, different system to growing. We move every vineyard, we change the uh, portograph, we change the clone of Sangiovese. So this uh, is uh, a character that changed the quality of Sangiovese. So the changing of clone, the, pro, the 2000 project of Chianti Classico, we we were able to plant the new kind of Sangiovese that have the best maturity, the better maturity in our area. So that is a very very important. Also, the agronomists, the the agronomies put a lot of science in the in the management of uh, of vineyards. So many thinkers. Are changing also, also uh, from our side, not only for the for temperature for the weather. Do you understand?
2: Oh, of course. You know, we uh, we talk a lot in our Via community, you know, about uh, well, about uh, Tuscany, about Chianti, but Chianti Classico in particular, and the uh, you know, this this soils and everything else that goes into uh, each different estate. Um, I just wanted to touch on for those of us that are that are you know in the vehicle and, and still studying uh what kind of different soils do you have there in the castello di albola state and yeah do they give different expressions to sangiovese for you
3: yeah absolutely yes the the the, the soil of uh, raden chianti castello di albola it's very rocky it's very rich in stone and in particular in uh, galestro and alberese stones are typical stones of that area so what means means that the soil of chianti of castello di albola it's very poor it's very drainant so the 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 the, the, the roots of the of the of the of the, v- the, of the vines go very deeper were we very deep to, to, to reach the mineral, to reach the water, to reach the, the nutrient. And that uh, means also the, 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 the poor soil uh, means also that, that you have not a lot of vigor. And normally when you grow up, a red variety, you don't need too much vigor. You need the plant in a good equilibrium, but not so much vigorous. So, the, because the plant have to think at the grapes, not at the leaves. So, soil, it's, it's really, really important. Uh, really, really important.
2: And was that something that, uh, that came about during uh, the Chianti Classico project? Uh, the analysis of your soils or is that just simply uh, the experience that you've had there for for these 18 years
3: yeah in uh, when arriving in chianti when arriving in Rada, uh, the clone of sangiovese was uh, not like today was honestly clone that was not so adapted at the condition and the environmental condition of Rada of Chianti. So normally they were cloned that they have not a good maturity of the fruit of the grapes. The project uh, of Consortium, the project of Chianti Consortium permit to selection the, the, the better clone that they are more adapt in our condition. Our condition in Rada in Chianti is quite an ex- extreme condition because the altitude. Again, I, I repeat, the altitude don't permit very well the maturity. So we need the the, the right clone for our area. But today, today uh, there is. Uh, uh, I want to say, I spoke with my colleague last year, day about, the, the, if you will, if you like, a parameter. No, it's a parameter, for example, the alcohol, the alcohol of wine. When arriving in, in Chianti area, Sangiovese arrived at 12, 12.5. If you see my bottles, uh, Chianti Classico Castello d'Albola 2004 is at 12.5. Today it's 13.5. So, of course, something is changing. Oh, and it's a two combination of course warming of course warming but also our uh, system to growing up the vineyard and also the clone
2: also the clone yeah because you seem to have uh, managed to retain you know that that signature elegance uh, in your wines uh, even as they uh, as they see more warmth and more ripeness yeah. Uh, Uh, I do recall um, when I first started uh, importing and selling these wines, uh, you had other grapes that were planted on the property, more traditional you know, Tuscan varietals. Yeah. Uh, At what point did you decide not to uh, use those in your blend?
3: 95% of our grapes in uh, Castello di Albola, or more than 90, is Sangiovese grapes. Uh, I uh, honestly believe that uh, Sangiovese uh, represents the the soul of Chianti Classico. Uh, Because Sangiovese is a very, very autochthon variety of that area, and uh, he has a very good combination of uh, acidity, tannin, and elegance. And that, I think, today is uh, one of the most important things that uh, a winemaker can do for uh, our, that, uh, in a produ- production of wine. Of course, uh, uh, it's true that uh, 20, 30 years ago, uh, somebody planted in our area other variety uh, to afford to afford the, the strongest and the power of, uh, of red wine of Chianti. But today I see people, I see consumers, that uh, like and uh, prefer wine that are drinkable, elegant and vertical. So, the, our idea is to, to do Chianti Classico with Sangiovese. Of course, we have uh, uh, other variety. Uh, we have other varieties. Uh, we have a, a little vineyard of Cabernet Sauvignon, but that is another story. That is another story because we produce with this little vineyard, a super Tuscan IGT wine uh, that is called Acciaiolo. And we do also, uh, we grow also Chardonnay, uh, that is the highest vineyard of the state, and we produce another label that's called Poggio de Fate. But it's a different story. Chianti Classico in a different version because it's a a regular uh, Chianti Classico, Reserva, or Gran Selezione, or single vineyard, it's uh, always Sangiovese grapes, because we believe in that grapes.
2: Yeah, it makes for a fantastic uh, sort of uh, class on Sangiovese to taste, you know, from the classical Anata, uh, which is blended, I think, from all the estate uh, vineyards up through the two uh, different expressions of Gran Selezione. But you also uh, have had a lot of success with Sangiovese in Marema. Uh yeah. when did you take over as uh, as winemaker director of, uh, of uh, Rocco de Montemassi? Did I get my date correctly?
3: I I the fam, the Zunin family gave me the this opportunity in uh, uh, 2016 16. in June 2016. I uh, I, I I was uh, in contact with the the past uh, manager, but uh, I I was not in charge over there. And uh, I start with the the responsibility in uh, uh, June 2016,
2: yes. And uh, what did you find different about uh, working with San Sangiovese in Marema versus in in Rada and Chianti?
3: Erin, it's uh, a hundred kilometers and two different planets. (laughs) <laughs> in terms of uh, uh, growing vineyard. Um, 100 kilometers is true, but uh, 600 meters of different of the sea level, for example, because uh, there we are at the zero meter uh, on the sea level, and uh, so the, the altitude changing a lot, and the, term, the, the temperature uh, changing a lot. I'm in, in between two two estate. Sangiovese, uh, for example, we have a lot of Sangiovese in Rocca di Montemassi. Uh, it's uh, more it's full body. It's more that less acidity is more horizontal wine. Is more large wine. Is more smooth wine. Is is a wine that you can drink also easily young. For example, for Castello di Albola, you need time to velvety tannin. You need time to smooth the tannin of uh, tannin of uh, Sangiovese of Rada. In Maremma, you can drink easily also young Sangiovese because it's a is sweeter. Do you understand what I mean? Because the warm, the
2: te- the warm temperature help to round this tannin. Exactly. We think of Sangiovese as the as the ultimate uh, uh, wine with food in, in Italy. The first thing we we speak of when we talk about eating and drinking Italian. But uh, you know, I found the Sangiovese, especially what you make there in in Marema, uh, to be equally at home just uh, as a glass uh, and in the United States. We find uh, some of those wines yeah, even more popular in the wine bars and non-traditional restaurants. Exactly. In a, in a in, a, in a, if
3: you drink a Sangiovese of Rada in Chianti, you need food. Uh, you need it in the way that is better. Is better to have a food. If uh, if uh, you oppose it, it, it opposite the Sangiovese of Maremma. You can drink easily without
2: food. Do you understand? Oh, of course. And, you know, we, and we mentioned uh, that small plot of Cabernet Sauvignon uh, yeah. in Rada and the, the Chardonnay, but uh, in Maremma, Roccamontermasi is uh, is becoming just as well known for the other grapes that you're growing. These uh, we, we call them traditional varietals, but let's say the wines that maybe have only been grown in, in Tuscany for you know a few hundred years versus a few thousand. Uh, what do you yeah. enjoy work with right now? You have Cabernet Sauvignon, Merlot, yeah. Syrah.
3: Exactly, Erin. We have uh, we are south of Bulgaria, so we have many uh, international variety. We we say international variety. say exactly Cabernet Sauvignon, Cabernet Franc, uh, Merlot, Syrah, and Petit Verdot. That are uh, the variety or the red. The red variety that we grow together uh, at uh, Sangiovese. Of course, the, the expression of that international variety is a uh, is, uh, give, give a different style of wine. So, give a wine that is a full body wine and very sweet uh, in terms of tannin, very complex in terms of. Uh, Fruity sensation, very drinkable, very powerful. Different style in 100 kilometer from Rada to uh, Maremma, different style of wine, of course. For example, we do uh, a blend that's take a name of the state. We call this wine, we call Rocca di Montemassi, and is a blend of uh, one third, one third, and one third of Cabernet Sauvignon, Syrah, and Petit Verdot. So very powerful. But of course, we try always, always. In my, in my position, my position, my opinion is uh, to try always. Also in that case, to don't lose the elegance and the drinkability. Today, more and more people want the wine to be drink, not to wine to be taste. This is a, our uh, idea also of wine. Of course, there in Maremma is more difficult to do that eh? because the powerful of grapes, the powerful of wine, is stronger, is stronger, is sweeter than Chianti area.
2: You know, and you mentioned that uh, that last wine that. Sort of Bordeaux-inspired blend. Uh, when I show that wine to sommeliers, they're always quite surprised that you're using one-third uh, Petite Verdot in yeah. the blend, because notoriously in Bordeaux, it's it's always a very small amount, and as I understand it, a very difficult grape to ripen, much like Sangiovese, I would think.
0: Yeah.
2: Uh, what have you seen from Petit Verdot that's uh, that's allowed you to if, use in that in the blend? In, you know. When uh, we start to plant uh, in Rocca di
3: Montemassi international variety, I want to say uh, it's not the same for all international. So, for example, I like to say, I want to say you that, for example, Petit Verdot et Syrah uh, is better than, for example, Merlot. Cabernet Franc, uh, probably today, sometimes is better than Cabernet Sauvignon. So what I want to say is that not the same story, in particular about Petit Verdot in, uh, in Maremma, in our estate, in Rocca di Montemassi estate, we have a very very nice uh, uh, result, very very nice uh, uh, quality, and so for that reason we use uh, in uh, in that quantity. Yes, normally, normally Petit Verdot in the Bordeaux blend, it's uh, it is in less quantity but uh honestly in our petit verdot our petit is not so tannic, is not so dark is not so strong is not so d- tough to to drink for that reason
2: yeah it's a beautiful wine i i love it uh and i i also love the fact that you know every year that final blend uh, changes a bit so it's it's kind of a, a it's an expression obviously of, of of winemaking science, but also of, of the art of your blending. Yeah, two thousand twenty-one.
3: It will be the first time that I introduce Cabernet Franc. Oh, fantastic!
2: I look forward. to Yeah, but to, it's, uh...
3: Uh, it's a, quite a surprise. <laughs> yeah, it's a first time. Never, never put inside. But I believe a lot in that area. Very, very hot area. Very warm area. So Cabernet Franc uh, uh, could be a, an idea could be an idea to 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 do fresh wine because uh, you know it's sometimes it's not easy
2: do you think that's uh you know that difference in 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 the grapes you're you're using or blending is just a result of of this increased warming that you're seeing in tuscany it's also because me
3: i am a winemaker (laughs) And, and sometimes also we are a little bit know. and uh, yeah, warming, wor- warming—it's uh, it's, uh, it's uh, a factor that is an important factor. But also the taste, also the taste—I consider the taste uh, and the taste related at the consumer. I consider a very, very important uh, aspect. So, sometime we have to be careful. We have to be put attention in uh, in the freshness in the what we use in the blend in that blend. And Cabernet Franc, uh, uh, I like Cabernet Franc in Maremma because uh, remember with the freshness of. Uh, uh, some time in uh, in uh, in uh, Chianti.
2: Of course, have you have you bottled any Cabernet Franc by itself just to see how it expresses, or do you like yes. it in the blend?
3: Yes, I bottle, but not for the, but bottle for for not for me, but uh, for some friends. Uh, yes, I bottle, and. Uh, yeah, the, you know, winemakers have to try, no? Have to try <laughs> <Of course>. to, <laughs> to try also, also to try because you can taste a wine today, tomorrow, and after tomorrow is different. So uh, wine, it's a uh, it's a natural system that changing the time. So it's
2: important to have a time to to do some experiment. Eh? Yeah, and if you, if you think about your work as a winemaker that, uh, you know, yes, you've been making wine with uh, Casal Diablo now in Rucker de Montemassi for many years, but, you know, maybe only 18 opportunities to make that wine so far in Casal uh certainly with many more vintages to go. Uh, you and I are still young. Yeah. <laughs> we, we like to think maybe like I didn't think so when we when we discussed our birth years this morning. But, yeah. uh, you know, one thing I really uh, appreciate about working for the Zonian family, yeah. um, you know, in eight generations uh, of, of winemaking in that family and how they, I think, uh, you know, look ahead to the next generation, uh, was that they uh, were one of the families that helped create the Equalitas uh, sustainability certification in Italy.
3: Yeah. You know, uh,
2: uh, t-
3: uh, I'm, uh, we, we were uh, in, uh, the, probably the first, uh, I don't know, 10 winery that uh, we start this proceed of Equalitas. Just this day, uh, I was with the... Uh, the inspector was the, 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 the man that controlled that you do a good job in equalitas, uh, and I true. spoke. with I don't know why I, I say inspector or I don't know. The, yeah, the inspector. Uh, the... Inspector, yeah, yeah, the yeah auditor, auditor, Ah, uh, uh, nice. auditor. And uh, he told me, he told me that today in Tuscany, uh, but in Italy in general, uh, equalitas uh, growing a lot. A lot, and we are very, very happy growing a lot. The, the, the organic, and uh, we are organic too in Castello di Albola and in Rocca di Montemassi. And we are sustainable with the Equalitas uh, Proceed Equalitas system. I think uh, it's a responsibility of the winery, of the state, of the people. That work in the state to to be uh, sustainable, to be uh, to have a, a respect of uh, environmental environmental system, and not only because the qualitas consider not just the pollution or product that you use, uh, so organic or not, but consider also the the social sustainability and uh, the, the 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 possibility to have uh, a very nice interaction with the, the terroir, uh, with the neighbor, etc. All the, the social sustainability. So we, we consider uh, uh, opportunity, but we cons- we consider that a dovere of uh, of, uh, of the company of the of the state for that reason we start with uh, this uh, proceed and we are very very happy and also organic in uh, when we start in in if you consider Castello di albola and Rocca di Montemassi are in total 300 hectares of vineyard so uh, a lot and when we decide to 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 convert uh, the the estate, the company uh, conventional to organic was uh, people said no, it's impossible. Uh, some people said uh, it's impossible, it's so big. But today, after three four years, we are happy about that decision. Uh, we we uh, I consider to to give pesticide at the vineyard as a, a very bad thing
2: a very bad thing. Well, it's an exciting time to, to see this this return to, you know, just, he uh, said, uh, sustainable and organic farming, uh, almost the traditional farming of of, uh, of your ancestors. And uh, for anyone who has the pleasure of visiting the estate there uh, in Marema at Rocco de Montamasi, uh, Mr. Johnny Zonin built uh, quite uh, an impressive uh, museum to yeah. the local, uh, local industry and local agriculture. And, you know, from the, uh, from the roots of, of uh, you know, of individual farming through mezzaturia farming. And there's one point as you walk to the museum where he has a collection of old uh, spray canisters of the, uh, the pesticides that were sold to these farmers in the, you know, the post-war era of the, the late, you know, the 50s and 60s, including my favorite, uh, which is a product labeled Super DDT. <laughs> you know, and and these you know these were the these were the new technologies and now we've realized that uh, you know yeah. we don't need that kind of technology. We get back to just farming the land. Um, and you've done some other fun things with uh, with Rocca di Montemassi. Uh, not only you know your your green manure project uh, with the uh, I I don't forget cattle.
3: don't don't forget the Vermentino. Oh uh, no no, <laughs> uh, Vermentino in Rocca di Montemassi. And in general, in Maremma, it's a variety that uh, growing faster. And uh, why? Because it's a a nice wine. It's a a little bit aromatic. It's uh, fresh, a good acidity, drinkable. So easy to drink with the fish, aperitif. So Vermentino, and we planted this year, we have planted already, five, five, five hectares more, um, because because is uh, is the is the, the variety that growing faster. Yeah, um, I this is, I have also another project of white. It's called Vionier. It's a new bottle in Rocca di Monte Massi, new label, because we have also uh, some hectares of this uh, interesting uh, white variety. And white combination also the, the 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 coast of Tuscany that is very close. Uh, we have a very good uh, um, sell sellout also in this uh, white variety. So Vermentino and Viognier, new project uh, that is uh, in this case is a uh, oak. Oak uh, fermentation and oak uh, aging, so different style. Vermentino is uh, fresh, just stainless steel, uh, with inox tank, and uh, Viognier is uh, oak fermentation uh, and 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 maturity in the uh, oak maturity. So it's a different style, eh? different style.
2: Well, looking forward to just seeing that wine released. Uh- I think there was one year. Was it 2017 uh, that was very warm, and you were not, you did not make any uh, of the viognier. But
3: in, it's, it's so, in in a, in a, in general, uh, I am agree with you. But uh, it's it's uh, it's very interesting uh, what's happened about viognier because uh, um, I uh, I I start uh, is the third vintage. I did 2018, 19 and 20. And uh, also according to you, uh, I, I think I thought about the Viognese, too hot, it's too warm. Um, oh my God. But I don't know. I try. I try. A very good maturity, so the alcohol is quite important. And uh, the, the wine, the ra- result is a full body white wine and a uh, nice bouquet, important bouquet. So I'm, I am uh, very happy about that wine. And I am, am going also to try to do some vermentino in that case in amphora. So earth, cook earth, do you understand? yes yeah, very interesting. Yeah, and uh, also for that, I do also in Castello d'Albora. I do also in Castello d'Albora for Sangiovese. But I start in Maremma to uh, have a very, very natural fermentation, long fermentation and maceration also for white, for Vermentino in Amphora. And uh, we are at the beginning, but uh, I'm very, very curious, but I'm very I' quite positive about that uh, experiment.
2: Well, it is exciting. I think for most of us in the Via community, Vermentino is one of those grapes that that we all love. Uh, you know, and if you look at a look at the globe, it really is, you know that uh, that quintessential Mediterranean grape, uh, yeah between from the south of France to Liguria to Marema, to Corsica, and of course uh, Sardinia, uh, it just it, it thrives there. And there is a famous uh, wine writer in New York City who has been he has been championing, uh, you know, Vermentino as the the white wine that Americans probably should be drinking uh, more than Pinot Grigio because it just gives more uh, more fruit, more uh, juicy acidity, more uh, more interesting flavors uh, generally. Not to denigrate Pinot Grigio, but. Uh, I think those of us that drink Italian white wines uh, fall in love more easily with Vermentino. I I hope so, Eric. <laughs> I hope so. We we have a thirty hectares, so I hope so. Oh, we've plenty to sell then. <laughs>
3: yeah, yeah. Uh, I said we sell. Uh, we sell now. Uh, Vermentino is uh, sell in uh, overall in the area, so in uh, in Tuscany. And uh, it starts to 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 expand uh, around in you know, Rome, in Milano, but most is in, in the area.
2: Most is in the area. Well, it's certainly uh, you know always the story of Italy is that uh, you know for the most part everyone everyone drinks quite locally, um, and uh, you know as, as I had mentioned earlier at the beginning of uh, of our clubhouse here, uh, we were going to at least I did uh, open uh, and you know, a vintage bottle of one of your, uh, of one of your babies here, the, uh, the Kenti Classico di Zerva from the 2014 vintage. Mm. Um, I think I told you at one point when I first started in the wine business, I worked for an Italian sommelier, uh, and he would always complain that Americans wanted to drink their, their white mm. wines too young and they wanted their red wines too old, like the British. Uh, yeah. but one thing I have seen, uh, working certainly with your wines in, in, in Italian wines is, is how well and how beautifully these wines age. Uh, Just as a side note, uh, uh, Francesco Zonin, uh, if anyone follows him on Instagram, uh, he put out uh, a picture uh, just last night uh, of a bottle. He he enjoyed a little restaurant outside of uh, Vicenza that had a bottle of uh, the 1987 Chianti Classico, the Anatta, not the Reserva. Um, And it it looked beautiful in the glass and he said it was delicious. Obviously it was well stored, but it it speaks to uh, even just the, what we consider the simplest of wines being able to age so nicely. But because, Erin, I think uh,
3: uh, wine, uh, wine, and in special, honestly, this is a red wine, is a emotion, is a sensation, is a occasion to drink. I am agree with uh, your friend of the word, the sommelier, (laughs) but but honestly, I want to say also that, uh, uh, there are not uh, uh, the rule to the drink the, the age of the wine uh, because uh, it's depend. Its depend what you want in that uh, evening, in that day. Uh, it depend of the of course of the quality of wine, white or red. It depend what do you want in that occasion with uh, with your uh, uh, friend or uh, i don't know who but uh, of course uh, of course uh, uh, wine has a best moment to drink of course but it's not uh, it's also that that this best time is not the same for you and for me so uh, this is a beautiful thing. Uh, I think uh, of this natural liquid that is called wine. Huh? Uh, I, I think so about the aging. I think so about the drinking wine, uh, younger or older. Uh, Sometimes I love to drink a young wine. Sometimes I love to drink an old wine because it, I am in a special occasion. I l- I love to taste. I love to 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 yeah to taste uh what it's become um,
2: and you yeah. think that uh you know to open a a classical reserva like this that you know we would all automatically be thinking of uh of Bistecca fiorentina uh, <laughs> yes. but, which which is which is always fantastic but uh for me tonight i am going to save the rest of this bottle so my wife doesn't mad at me <laughs> but uh, and uh, i'm going to put two two pieces of salmon uh on the grill
3: Ah, same, one. okay, you know, okay. What,
2: what, I try yeah. to to
3: find, I try to find a Fiorentina for me. Erin, <laughs> I I um I like to say just one minute more. If you give me one minute more, uh when, uh, uh, when you ask somebody ask me uh, about uh, the the difference in between two estate, uh, uh, sometimes I love to say uh, this story about Castello d'Albola and, and, and the Rocca di Montemassi to also to give an image uh, Castello d'Albola it's uh, it, it's for me uh 700 years old uh, is a story of wine is a story of uh, culture as uh, a toscany culture Florence Siena wine grovini Growing wine here from 14th century, so it's a story of wine. Is a story of elegance. Castello d'Albola, Raden Chianti, Chianti Classico is a wine uh, that can age a lot. That you can drink uh, after, like Francesco did, uh, 87, etc., etc. But I want to say that Rocca di Montemassi, for me represent a part of land that is, is younger, but is not only wine, but is an agricultural system. Uh, the, the beauty of Maremma today for me is that the estate is not just wine, but is wine, um, the cows, uh, agriculturals, grain, is a system, is a circle system. If you want an imaging that I can give you, we are not building dynamic, but uh, probably uh, the Rocca di Montemassi is the most dynamic, bio, biodynamic, most circular state of Zonin estates. Uh, we use the product uh, the, for example the the fava beans that we grow in the field we use to 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 do to do nutrient at the vineyard so the the circulation of the agriculture is a very very special are two different systems, chianti and maremma sorry for the parenthesis eh?
2: no it's a perfect description of of the two estates and uh you know, one thing I love about Montemassi is how that progression has evolved from uh, you know, bringing in the cows for the green manure and then planting heirloom wheat to feed the cows, and then you have excess wheat, and so uh, Imperiale uh, Gin was born. Uh- yeah,
3: exactly, <laughs> exactly, exactly. But because Rocca di Montemassi is a state that is more rock, so for that exists the Gin. <laughs> <laughs>
2: And, uh, and 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 uh, for anyone that like I said is, is, is has the pleasure to visit uh, both properties have uh, really incredible uh, little restaurants uh, and as you heard uh, they yeah. especially Rukumadamasia they grow uh, pretty much all their own vegetables and uh, and if you're lucky the uh, uh, the Meramina cattle if I pronounce that correctly is, is another ancient breed like the Kianina that we think of yeah hospitality
3: airing today it's uh one thing that uh, for us is extremely extremely important uh today hospitality growing in castello d'albola thousands and thousand in people come to visit us and also in rocca di monte massi why pandemia pandemia changing the system to visit to, to change the 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 structure of uh, of hospitality today the gastronomia so the restaurant the food the pairing food pairing with the wine is extremely extremely important 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 for italian people but not only for italian people for uh tourists that come from america from europe etc etc because today to taste a glass of wine, people want to taste a good uh, good uh, plate of food. And so today, hospitality, visit the site, visit the winery, uh, take a glass of wine, take a glass of wine with food is extremely important for our, for our image, for our uh, brand to, to, to explain also our philosophy. Many, many people want to hear directly in the winery, what's happening in the wine, whats your philosophy, taste the wine, uh, explain the the agricultural, the agronomy system, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera.
2: Perfectly said, Alessandro. And to bring Stevie back in to uh, to to wrap up our uh, our, our clubhouse uh, fireside chat here, uh, it is a, a business that we're in uh, this wine business that, uh, that is only fully, you know, realized and experienced, uh, face to face and, and glass to glass. And so yeah. you know, while we, while we love getting together and, and having these chats, uh, it was so important to have Vinita again and to have the wineries, you know, open for, uh, for visits again. So I look forward yeah. to being there myself, uh, this, this summer. And I encourage anyone that was listening today to, uh, to do the same, uh, the hospitality at both wineries is exceptional, and uh, as we all know, uh, touring uh, through Italy is is unlike any other country.
3: I wait in I wait in Toscan, Eric.
2: Alessandro. I p- appreciate your time, uh, your enthusiasm, okay, that's your knowledge. Thank, that's you much, that's... Thank you very much, Harry. Thank you, Stevie. <laughs> yes
1: that's that's the sign i'm going to close up the room and just as a kind remember th- thank you so much aaron and alessandro for that this call very informative i think there's so many so many things that you've shared with us and uh we are incredibly grateful we will be replaying this of course call on italian wine podcasts wherever you get your pods whether it's sound soundcloud or spotify or any anywhere else and next uh, we also have by the way we're back on mama jumbo shrimp of course with the video video recordings as well so check that out and if you haven't subscribed please subscribe to our channels italian wine podcast and mama jumbo shrimp on youtube next week like uh, who are we having next week
0: um, so next week, we're going to have um, Lisa Andrizzi of Cantina Andrizzi to be interviewed by Natalia Fabrizzi.
1: Okay, so same time, 6 p.m., correct? Yes, Next 6 week, Thursday, uh, yes. come back, y'all, to join us once again on the Italian Wine Club on Clubhouse. So that is for now signing off. Ciao, ragazzi. Grazie mille. Alla prossima. Ciao, ciao, ciao. Ciao, ciao,
3: everyone. Ciao.
0: Italian Wine Podcast Chin with Italian Wine People